Hey, music lovers, the Cannamom Show podcast in collaboration with Lambkin Guitars is giving away a custom-built, one-of-a-kind electric guitar built by Josh Lampkin. The solid one-piece hemp wood body includes a built-in glass bowl piece. Yeah, you heard me right. You can take a hit and then play a lick. Now's your chance to help the Cannamom Show crush cannabis stigma with your entry. Register for the Hemp Guitar Giveaway online at lampkinguitars.com. That's L-A-M-K-I-N guitars.com. The drawing will be part of a 420 celebration at the Goods Dispensary in Somerville, Massachusetts, where the guitar is on display for the month of April. But don't worry, you don't have to live in Mass or be present to win. Visit LampkinGuitars.com to scope out the Hemp Guitar giveaway details and entry form. You'll even find a video of what could be your guitar in action. L-A-M-K-I-N-Guitars.com Welcome. You're listening to Casually Baked, the podcast. Home base for the can of curious. Thanks for tuning in. It's we had a hard time together, together. Yes, it's a hard time. We had a hard time. Hi, y'all. I'm Joe, your host and cannabis lifestyle guide. One of the biggest hurdles I find as a cannabis educator is getting someone to stay engaged and not glaze over listening to the scientific speak necessary for them to truly customize their cannabis experience. And if cannabis wasn't nuanced enough, across the industry and from brand to brand, everyone isn't speaking the same can of language. That's pretty nuanced as well. So how can we make experimentation for newbies an intentional, confidence-boosting experience versus a very expensive game of whack-a-mole. Besides listening to this podcast, pretty soon you'll be able to learn about cannabis at the state fair, at least in California. The recently announced California State Fair Cannabis Awards will be a megaphone for the cannabis conversation reaching a brand new audience outside of our California cannabis bubble. I think it can go a long way to normalizing cannabis if it's done right. And with the help of SC Labs, the intention is to elevate consumer education and overall cannabis competitions. With a stronger focus on the plant's compounds, the categories will look a bit different than what the industry may be used to. SC Labs helped design the protocol and testing categories based on what they're seeing in their scientific analysis of California flower. Joining me to dive into the science of cannabis judging are Jeff Gray and Josh Werzer, two of the co-founders for SC Labs, one of the first independent analytical laboratories for cannabis and hemp in the United States. Serving the cannabis community in Oregon since 2017 and California since 2010, SC Labs' vision is to inform and evolve people's understanding of and experience with cannabis and cannabis therapeutics using science and data. As one of the few African-American owner-operators in the California cannabis industry, 
Jeff has been an outspoken thought leader on issues of racial equity in ownership, employment, and economic participation in the industry. Josh Werzer is responsible for managing regulatory compliance, research and development, and intellectual property. He has a background in analytical and synthetic chemistry and has spent his career in the pharmaceutical and electronic materials industries. Josh serves on the U.S. Pharmacopeia Cannabis Expert Panel, along with many other industry committees and advisory groups. The California State Fair Cannabis Awards is a celebration of our cultivators, large and small, and represents another step towards normalization and a new conversation about cannabis. Awarding cannabis flower and its unique compounds, the science-based competition is open to all licensed California cannabis cultivators, showcasing the diversity of our microclimates, Appalachians, indoor, sun-grown, mixed-light farms, and brands. We'll chat with Jeff and Josh about the awards, the science of terpenes, and how to use that knowledge to improve your cannabis purchasing decisions and overall experience with cannabis. But first, a word from our sponsor, MJ Relief, the muscle rub PhD formulated for what aches and pains you. I had two more chats this week with different women raving about how much MJ Relief is helping soothe their pain from stiff hands and aching joints. During this season of giving, consider gifting relief to the parents and grandparents in your life who you know suffer from stiff joints and those chronic aches and pains. Get 10% savings when you shop mjskinrelief.com using promo code CASUALLYBAKED. The MJ Minis fit in your pocket for localized relief on the go, and they make excellent stocking stuffers. I keep my 2.5-ounce tube of MJ Relief on my nightstand. Whether for your medicine cabinet or gym bag, MJ Relief is the gift that keeps on giving for those daily aches and pains. Shop online to support my small business at mjskinrelief.com and use promo code CASUALLYBAKED, all one word, for 10% savings. And if you're already a believer of MJ Relief, I'd love to share your story of relief on the podcast. Please leave a review on the website or share a video or voice memo to info at mjskinrelief.com. The Sustainability Roll-Up is presented by OCB Rolling Papers. In perfect harmony with natural sustainable practices, it's always been the OCB's signature to provide the highest quality, responsibly sourced, and sustainably crafted rolling papers. This weekend, I'll be in Santa Rosa at the Harvest Ball, formerly known as the Emerald Cup Awards, which are still happening, by the way, just in the spring and in L.A. This event is a cultural reunion for Northern California cannabis growers and enthusiasts. And one of my favorite parts of this event is the Regenerative Agriculture Garden Exhibit. They're calling it the Rage Lounge. It's an educational, interactive living exhibit space, highlighting farming practices which reverse climate change and build soil diversity yielding grape and cannabis harvests internationally acclaimed for their superior terroir and terpene profiles. 
It's got a farmer's market-like vibe and gives consumers like me an opportunity to meet and mingle directly with Northern California's top cannabis growers. You can also attend classes highlighting regenerative growing techniques and learn, share, and connect with farms of all crops and all sizes. The Emerald Cup Awards founder Tim Blake said, We have a responsibility to our community, to our planet, and to the cannabis plant itself. The Rage Lounge represents the very best that we can offer in terms of honoring the earth and creating a network of growers and land stewards. It's a unique opportunity to not only build on our efforts to support small farmers, but to spread these healthy growing techniques across the country and around the world. Amen, Tim. This will be my first cannabis event since attending Lift & Co. Expo in Vancouver in January of 2020. And I plan on seeing my farmer friends and meeting new ones and sampling delicious sun-grown flour like a kid in a candy store while I'm there. I'll also bring back some sustainability goodness for next week's roll-up. And you can bet your sweet buds that I'll be packing my OCB rolling papers for some impromptu roll-with-me sessions. So if you see me at the Harvest Ball and you want to roll with me, just say hi. And if you're shopping for a cannabis newbie this holiday season, might I suggest gifting them with joint rolling skills. Get a Roll With Me starter kit at ocbusa.com backslash baked. You'll get four booklets of OCB and a rolling tray for only $4.99. This bundle is worth 20 bucks and is around for a limited time. Of course, you must be 21 and older to buy OCB rolling papers and to follow the natural wonders of OCB on social at OCB underscore USA. Be sure to ask for OCB wherever you buy your papers. If you're picking up what I'm putting down, please rate and review Casually Baked the podcast on iTunes or Apple Podcasts. That one small action helps other canna-curious folks find highly responsible discussions like this one with Josh and Jeff about the science of cannabis judging and the dominant terpenes directing your cannabis experience. So smoke them if you got them and settle in. It's time to get casually baked. I got the bottle of wine, the high dollar kind. I got the West Coast smoke, but I better just take one. Smoke. Guys, thanks for joining me. Thanks, thanks for having us. us. Certainly. Um, one of the biggest buzzes in the California cannabis space right now is the fact that we are about to have the very first state-sanctioned, supported cannabis judging. Up until now, this has been like this kind of cult classic following where we go to these different competitions and a bunch of OGs have gotten together and assessed a bunch of cannabis that's been entered and... Um, Y'all are shaking things up and doing it a little bit different. So why did the state decide to take a scientific approach to cannabis judging versus kind of the old school classic way that we're used to? Well, first, I'm really excited. I mean, we are the criteria for judging, you know, is is has been approached in a, a bunch of different fashions. And while, you know, it's the lab, we're there in support of however the state decided to construct the test. There's Definitely an incredible amount of merit to put your hands on it, you know, taste, smell, right? That regular kind of evaluation process that everybody does. But 
I think what's been missing, what's interesting about this, and maybe it's a, it's a bit of a swing of the pendulum, kind of quite a bit the other way, but I think what's interesting about this is the, the opportunity to present to people a way of evaluating cannabis on quality metrics based on measurable scientific a- attributes. I mean, almost you know, very similar in my mind to just product criteria that you would find for, for almost anything, right? And I think that coupled with that sensory experience is, is, is really where you end up with the most, with the greatest amount of information. What was most interesting to me, we've been in the cannabis you know, uh, testing industry for 12 years. I've been in the cannabis industry in California for you know, 25 plus years. And in that time, it's changed so much. I mean, it used to be that um, the process of evaluating cannabis in a dispensary was, you know, somebody would open the jar, or, uh, uh, somebody would bring something into a, to a buyer at a dispensary and they'd open a bag and really do a deep evaluation of something. And the buyer was this like person with this amazing background and blah, blah, blah. And what's happening now is regulations have dictated that as a consumer, you're going to walk into that store and you're never going to smell it. You're not going to put your hands on it. You're not going to put it to your nose. You're not going to evaluate it like that. So what information do you actually have at your disposal to make choices? And how do you make choices or, or, or get similar information other than kind of a funny strain name that may or may not actually be representative of what it was or some way that the bud tender characterizes it for you? And I think this is, that's why to me, it's exciting that the scientific data is being presented as an additional, right, uh, uh, set of product information. Um, I'm from California, so to me, it just blows my mind that that the state is now putting this on. And I appreciate that very much in the same way, the state is the best in class in terms of wines and is the best in class in terms of cheese and, you know, agricultural products. California is the best in class in terms of cannabis and always has been. And I'm a little biased, obviously, but we'll continue, we'll continue to be. So um, that's exciting. I, I think their choice to, to focus solely on just the scientific information on the chemometric data has a lot to do with the logistics of, of putting their hands on cannabis, to be honest. I think that's I mean, kind of what I up, thought too. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. I mean, I'm like, it's great, but I feel like they're like, yeah, we need to keep a safe distance. <laughs> so let's just keep it all science. But I like that because now it's giving the gen pop, the mainstream, an opportunity to understand how a canosaur is kind of looking at cannabis anyway. We're teaching them new language. They're going to get new vocabulary that they haven't had before. So that part, I think, is really exciting. Josh, what, what do you think about all this? Yeah, I, I agree with you. And I think, you know, the way that this this event is being judged, there's definitely some 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 pros and some cons to sort of a, a more of a human metric based judging process. For instance, when we're in, in I've been judges in, in, in various cannabis cups, I've been a judge for the Emerald Cup. And so with with more of a, a, a human judging experience, all the samples need to be submitted right around the same time. So they're the same level of freshness. And so they can all be you know, evaluated concurrently by the judges by making it, the, the contest more chemometric based. It allows um, producers to submit samples over a much wider window of time. And so that allows for um, you know, different harvests to all sort of get judged on the same level and kind of carrying that, that theme forward. Um, you know, a, a chemometric based judging system 
eliminates any of the human biases that that might be there, you know, whether it's recency bias or, or whether, you know, I'm a judge and I prefer a certain kind of flavor profile in, in my cannabis. And so I'm going to have kind of these intrinsic bias to certain flavors and certain certain effects. Um, whereas with the cumetric system, um, you know, it, it, it takes those biases out of out of the equation. Everything's judged basically on its on its physical attributes. I, I agree 100 percent with Jeff that both are very important, and I think equally valuable. If you're a cannabis business owner looking to expand into new markets and need guidance and support you can trust, consider Collateral Base, a group that has done it before in multiple merit-based and limited market states. Collateral Base was founded by an experienced cannabis attorney with highly educated consultants with master's degrees and years of experience in the cannabis industry. The Collateral Base team is confident they know cannabis licensing better than any of their peers. And I encourage you to see for yourself. It just takes one phone call. If you're ready to expand your cannabis business into new limited markets, contact Collateral Base today at 309-306-1095. That's 309-306-1095 or visit collateralbase.com. And I think you see a lot of the cups that were you know, solely um, organoleptically judged or, or judged by humans um, are, are starting to actually incorporate a lot of the testing data. And I think somewhere along the line, um, you know, we'll, we'll, we'll sort of see emerging of the two styles. But you know, it's been really, like Justin, it's been really exciting for us putting together a system that is able to first sort strains and, 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 and sort entries into in sort, into buckets sort of based on their flavor profiles, not based on their strain name, not based on indica sativa, but, but based on their actual chemical flavor profiles. And then within each of those buckets, we're able to take sort of the overall magnitude of terpenes and, and cannabinoids, and depending on the category, put a score to that sample by, you know, based on its actual physical and chemical attributes rather than sort of the kind of the traditional way. So, so it's been fun for us. It's, it's definitely something new. We've never done this, you know, this level of grading in, in a contest before. And so it's been a really neat exercise and, and, and we're really excited for people to, to see how it all turned out. Now I'm curious because, you know, there's always the indoor versus sun grown and in most cannabis cups, there are different categories. So now that everything is being judged by these scientific metrics, are all of these different flowers going to be judged together? So we'll actually get to see, like, does outdoor have a more robust terpene profile? Is indoor, are they still going to be separate categories? So there's still separate categories. There still will be an indoor mixed light and outdoor um, award for each of the different category types. But what we'll be able to do, you know, very easily is, is compare that data. And so, um, you know, while, while the, each of, the, of those categories will, will be awarded separately, which makes sense because, um, we, we do see some differences in, in, for instance, terpene profiles, not as much cannabinoid profiles, but definitely terpene profiles from, from sun growing in, in indoor cannabis and in, in not necessarily indicating that one is better than the other, but, but different. And so it, it makes sense to sort of judge them on their merits against each other. But what'll be really fun after this contest is going back and sort of analyzing that data. And I think um, the competition will, will be able to generate a lot of really interesting data out of this contest. And I think over the years, it'll be interesting to see how how these chemometrics kind of evolve over, over time um, as, as the years go by. So 
they'll, they'll be judged separately, but certainly we'll be able to compare them across each other. And I think that'll be a lot of fun. I think that will be a lot of fun too. <laughs> So, you know, the old school classification that really just needs to die, the indica sativa hybrid thing. I also feel like this is going to be a great way to kind of put that to bed. How would you describe kind of how this old classification is irrelevant? And like you said, you've been a testing lab for 12 years and you probably see some commonalities in things, you know, kind of the dominant terpenes and those sorts of things. So kind of talk about the letting go of the old and moving into the new. Well, I'll say to your point earlier, I mean, what's, what's amazing about this is I think the, you know, we've been doing the cannabis cup since, wow, 10, 11 years. I think the very first thing we did was an Emerald Cup in 2010. So, you know, we, we've seen a lot of these over time, and I think there's a, a number of things that are unique about this particular cup. But I think and what's really exciting is the, the idea that you're going to be introducing cannabis holistically to a net new audience in a way that we haven't done before. And that's really exciting, right? I mean, we're, we're also believers in the plant, the value of the plant, what it can contribute. It's amazing to be able to frame for people for their first time seeing cannabis and in, in, in a comprehensive manner, really how to understand it and how to speak about it and, and how to organize their thoughts around, uh, you know, different chemovars and all that. Um, you know, the Indica Sativa, um, you know, Indica Sativa, what's interesting is it's so limited because you're really describing morphological traits of the plant, which can or cannot be in some instances correlated to chemical profiles, but it's, it's no more than corollary at best. So the interesting thing is it's not even actually how, how we've always, like when, when I was a kid and was learning about cannabis, even used the terms. The way that we are using the terms is really about the effect not about the description of the plant at all. And so it was always that, you know, indica having that calcium effect and sativa having that uplifting effect. And, you know, you're really describing chemometric traits, if you will, right? The, the inevitable outcome of the chemical interplay, you know, all the different entourage effects with terpenes and the cannabinoids and the minor cannabinoids, right? That sort of holistic experience is what you're, is what you're describing. And, and those terms, I mean, you know, to your question, they don't describe them at all, right? They're misnomers. I'm not really sure. You know, when we, and we, it's like once we committed, we could never get away. We can never get away from using them as, as, as description. Right? Yeah. It's like getting a bad nickname as a kid that you can't run away from. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But what is real are the effects that Jeff is describing and in, in, in what we can do with measuring, you know, the actual levels of some of these different bioactive ingredients in cannabis is we can sort of map those effects to other chemicals that are in cannabis, whether they're, they're cannabinoids or whether they're, they're some of these terpenes that are known to have different bioactive properties. For instance, myrcene is known to be a sedative. There's plenty of research out there with myrcene in, in isolation that suggests it's a, a relatively strong natural sedative. And um, lo and behold, when you look at most of the strains out there that are labeled indica in shops, when you run a chemical analysis on them, you find that they have a lot of mercy in them. And then the ones that are traditionally labeled sativa have little to no mercy. The labels, they arose before we had any type of chemical analysis and people were trying to kind of put some sort of, you know, put things in buckets and, and describe them because, you know, the, the cool thing about cannabis is it has such a wide range of effects and flavors. And so, 
that part is still is valid. It's just, you know, what is actually causing that in, in this indica and sativa classification doesn't, doesn't describe what we're actually experiencing. And that's the thing that I hear from a newbie is, well, I want a sativa. So point me to a sativa. I don't want to be in the couch. I want to go out and do something. And so for me as an educator and a lifestyle guide, you know, it's rolling things back and starting over and educating like, you know, terpenes. They're the essential oils of plants and they have these different effects. And so I think that having something like this at a state fair where everybody is there. It's just a great opportunity to educate people on this new world of cannabis. And, you know, some of the things like the words cannabinoid and terpenoid and flavonoids, it it sounds so sciencey that people just kind of shut off and they're like, that's complicated. That's over my head. Just hand me what I should smoke or eat or whatever. So, How do you, in layman's terms, describe the role of the cannabinoids and terpenes so that people can understand and feel good about what they're learning? Okay, yeah, this kind of gets right into how we're judging the the state fair or how how the algorithm is set up to to sort of judge the state fair. So like I said, the first step in what we see in the laboratory is that, you know, even though cannabis does have the ability to produce dozens of cannabinoids and, and even more terpenes and, and actually the cannabinoids themselves like THC and CBD are just specialized forms of terpenes that can that are produced solely by the cannabis plant. So they're all in a similar sort of family of, of, of chemical compounds produced by the plants. And so what we do see though is, is of all the cannabis that's out in the market, there's really only a handful of sort of dominant terpene profiles. And, and by dominant terpene profiles, I mean profiles sort of grouped by the terpenes that are there in the highest concentration. And like I said, um, you know, myrcene is a very common terpene to be found in cannabis. And um, what we see is that there's a, a, a big chunk of, of, of the strains out on the market that are, are dominant in myrcene, have a lot of myrcene, twice as much as the next, the next highest concentration terpene, and, and then kind of maybe some of the other terpenes in, in different combinations. Then we also see that myrcene will show up at times in almost equal amounts with, with some of the other terpenes, whether it be beta-caryophylline or limonene. Um, and then beta-caryophylline and limonene are also common terpenes. Then we also see pinene, um, oftentimes in, 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 in is sort of the highest concentration terpene in cannabis. And in a lot of those strains, there's very little mercy. And then beyond that, we see all osamine, terpinoline, and that's about it as far as dominant terpenes. So what we see is, is similar to wine, there's sort of a red and a white with in, 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 you know, in, in sort of major classifications. And, and for us, that would be the, the dominant terpene classes. For us, there's four or five of those. And, and that's what we see kind of cannabis just naturally group into. Then beyond that, the other terpenes that are there sort of fill out that effect. So for instance, with, with the co-dominant classes, you have everything from, you know, desserts to fuels to some of the more the floral um, strains. And it, but in all still have similar dominant terpene profiles, but the, it's, it's those kind of next level of terpenes that, that dictate kind of the, the more nuances in flavor and smell. So when we're looking at it, we're, we're looking at it sort of similar to what you would see with classifying things into indica, sativa, and hybrid. It's just much more nuanced than that. And that's how the competition will be set up as well. So the competition will be set up, like we talked about, indoor, outdoor, and then mixed light. And then within that, the different entries will be categorized based on their dominant terpene profile. So 
there'll be a mercy category, there'll be a pining category, there'll be a caryophylline or beta caryophylline category, there'll be an osamine category, a terpinoline category, and a limonene category. And so those are sort of all of the possible dominant terpenes to be found in cannabis. Then there will also be one more category sort of for, for the co-dominant strains. So these are you know, these are strains or, or, or varieties that are, are rich in, you know, either lemonine, myrcene, or beta-caryophylline in relatively equal amounts. And then, and then beyond that, we'll, be also have, we'll also have special categories for both, you know, the, the, the highest testing THC strain and the highest testing CBD strain as well. But, you know, as you can see, the, the categories are mostly focused on terpenes, which gives us, you know, our flavor profile, you know, kind of the, the nuances and effect and all of that. I think one of the the pieces that will be important that comes out around this is the fact that the highest THC percentage isn't necessarily the winner. Like we are showing people that there's a lot more going on under the hood that we should be looking at, inspecting and appreciating. You know, one of the things that I find really interesting the way, you know, you've pulled out like these six dominant terpenes is being able to see, okay, which strains kind of fall in these categories. I really like fruity strains. And so if you know, if I like this, then, oh, wow, I'm going to love these five or six, 10 other strains. It kind of makes it easier to choose and venture out from something you like when you kind of get an idea of how to judge it based on the smell, knowing that these effects are attached to the smell. Yeah, I mean, to your point earlier, uh, you know, how do you how do you present this to somebody in in layman's terms such that it just doesn't go over their head? I think there's just a, a kind of a translation, right? I mean, when somebody comes to you and says, "I'm looking for that indica effect," not that sort of couch lock indica feeling, I think you speak to people where they're at. You know, they're asking you for something. They may not be saying it correctly, and you know, I, I think it's easy to give them very basic terms and a very basic way to understand this. They don't they don't have to be able to break out, you know limonene and beta caryophylline ratio and, and a dessert strain. I mean, they could get there. What's interesting though, is it speaks to, again, speaking to people where they're at, there are people who've never done this before. And I think just framing for them, if you go into a dispensary and, and you use indicate as, as a, and sativa as a guide, it's, you're really not going to end up in the place that you want or the medicine that you want. Same thing is true with just using THC as the one number above all other numbers to determine the quality of your cannabis. That too is misleading. Um, so, you know, but then again, there are those of us who've been in the industry or, or just have been, you know, cannabis enthusiasts or what have you for a long time. And for those people, they'll understand when you say dessert strains meet a particular profile, even if they don't understand the terpenes, if you lay it out for them, they'll understand like versus like. And I think for most of us, we're making choices we just want to know, like, hey, I, I tried this. I like it. How do I get something where I get a similar effect or a similar taste and flavor? And I think that's how you really simplify this. There's a ways to go. But what's beautiful is cannabis is an incredibly complicated and, like, bountiful offering, right? It's so complex in these profiles. And it doesn't do us any good to dumb them down. So, you know, again, it's important to speak to people where they're at, but the education has to build, you know? Yeah. So, you know, the 
the benefits to consumers from this testing? Because that's really ultimately where I feel like we need to go because there's a lot of problems in the California cannabis industry and the people with the most power are the ones spending the money. And, you know, if we are sending them into dispensaries or they're buying on the black market because they don't want to pay the ridiculous taxes, you know, you got to educate them on, first of all, why they should go into a dispensary and then what to purchase when they get in there, like how to make smart decisions, how to buy quality products. To me, that's one of the most exciting things about this is just the opportunity to educate consumers and create a more sophisticated consumer market to match where the industry is. Yeah. One of the many things that, you know, this, this pandemic has, has ruined is, is sort of the cannabis buying experience, right? You walk into a dispensary now, you can't touch it. You can't smell it. You can't hold it. A lot of times now I'm just ordering online and driving by and picking it up. I'm not even going inside. So um, I'm not even looking at it really. So, you know, what, what this can do, similar to, to how the judging is happening for, for the state fair, is by coming up with a, a universal classification and, and grading scale for cannabis based on its chemical profile, what we're hoping is that some of these buying decisions can also take place in a similar manner. So now we can, you know, use the same system to sort of grade cannabis and, and to put it into buckets, like Jeff said, so you can, you know, even if you don't necessarily understand how it all works, you can say, I like this flavor profile, give me something just like this. And I, and I want something that, you know, has, has a good amount of terpenes there. So I'm going to get a you know, good full aroma. And that's something that someone doesn't have to take a look at the cannabis for, doesn't have to smell it or taste it. And so, um, you know, we're hoping that we'll get broader adoption with this. We're also, you know, hoping that, that other, you know, other cannabis labs or, or researchers We'll also kind of build into this and we can sort of get into a, a consensus on sort of a universal you know, classification and grading system for cannabis. And I think that the applications are endless. And then, you know, sort of for the cannabis industry, um, throughout the supply chain, there's also, you know, a ton of applications. There's, you know, for a distributor, I'm, I'm also looking to plug holes. You know, I, I, I ran out of this strain. It's very popular. I can't find any more of this strain. But what other strains, you know, with air quotes are out there? that I can, that, that are going to, you know, kind of fill that hole. Well, you know, you can do that very easily by just looking at geometric profiles and finding something that has a, has a similar geometric profile and, and slide it in there. And, and so, and by geometric profile, I mean, you know, just basically the, 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 the terpene and the cannabinoid profile. So, well, so I think there's a lot of applications. So that is exactly how I want to shop, but there are not a ton of dispensaries that provide that information. There are not a lot of distributors who are including that information on the packaging. And so you don't have that opportunity to compare apples to apples, so to speak. Um, is that something that you think will start to be required, having a little bit more complex information on the packaging versus just saying what the total cannabinoid content is and that breakdown? Well, giving people ingredients and product composition is incredibly important. Right. I mean, it's, it's just information is power and it allows you to make those choices. Um, like you said, you, you can't make the choice of like to like or anything similar if you are not being given the information that you need to make that choice. Right. So I think that's right. I would hope that, you know, as, as sort of regulations progress and the industry progresses, that that information is more readily available. If that information is included on the packaging. I think what's happening now that, you know, in, in my opinion really is that, you know, I think as an industry, we're struggling with how to articulate it, 
it's not that we don't see a value, you know, that we work with a, a tremendous number of thoughtful, creative, innovative brands who are trying to, you know, provide a, a value proposition to the client in, in, a, in a way to be as transparent about what the experience that they're about to get. Um, but the thing is, what language are we going to use? Um, you know, kind of like you said, as soon as I begin to you know, give you a list of 35 terpenes that are in it, you may have already fell asleep by the time <laughs> I got that sentence out. So how do we, how do we translate that? I mean, we've, you know, we've attempted it to engage the industry with, with certain tools. Like for instance, we are using a, a phytofax report, which is part of this, which is a chemometric report that not just lays out um, cannabinoids and, and terpenes in their ratios, which the ratios are incredibly important versus just the overall numbers. And then the organoleptic traits in the entourage effect. So that people can really get a, not just a, a right. It's it, information is important, but so is the framing, the context within which you deliver that information. It's hard. You know, even that is difficult because it's a full page report. When you're walking into a dispensary, that may not be what you're getting. So we're trying to put a you know QR code ends up in the package, and maybe somebody can scan and and, and dive a little further. Again, is provide as much information as people are willing to sort of engage with. I think is an important first step. And as an industry, like I said, I think we're struggling with what's that? What's that language? What's that language we use to say you know calm? Well, what does that what does that mean? What does that mean to you? And yeah. well, am I supposed to take that when you say it and you say it? It's totally different and like Josh has been saying, until we get to a consensus, you know, I think people are going to struggle both on the consumer side and, and on the brand side. Well, especially because it's all subjective to, you know, who we are, what our body composition is, when was the last time we ate, you know, what, all of these things matter. And it is challenging to educate people when cannabis is so nuanced and you have, you know, really complicated words and you're talking about an endocannabinoid system and, you know, you hear somebody say terpenoids and then they say terpenes and it's like, wait, is a terpenoid and a terpene? Are they different? Is this the same thing? Like what is going on here? I'm so confused. Which by the way, terpenoid, terpene, are they just interchangeable or is there something different? For the record, for okay, the record, good. terpenoid is probably the, the proper term for all the terpenes found in cannabis. Terpenoids are a specialized kind of terpene, and all that the, the terpenoid designation means is they have different what are called functional groups. And it's, it's like a structural thing with the, with the molecules. And essentially all the, all the botanical terpenes that we call terpenes are terpenoids. But terpene is sort of used as a catch-all phrase for the category. And then cannabinoids are specialized forms of terpenoids. So that's sort of the hierarchy, but everyone uses the term terpenes and you start throwing terpenoids in there. I just leave it off completely because it send, tends to confuse people and I, I, I can do that easily enough already. So, um, <laughs> so but you're right. It's, it's actually, we should all be saying terpenoids if, if we were being scientifically correct. Okay. Now, and what about flavonoids? And then flavonoids are, are a different type of, of terpenoids. And so they're all just structurally slightly different than the family of, of chemicals called terpenoids, but but yeah, the, the hierarchy would be can you know terpene, terpenoid, flavonoid. All right. And See, yeah, and cannabinoids are forms of terpenoids. I didn't know that. That was I learned that today. That's exciting. <laughs> well, happy to help. And, and just just adding on to what Jeff said, it's just kind of a, a you know fun story. So so this year for the first time, I got the honor to judge the flower contest in the Emerald Cup. And also this year for the first time, I believe for the first time, they actually separated the, the entries by dominant terpene. 
that was sort of, you know, they've, they've been running terpene tests and the, and the Emerald Cup has been kind of ahead of the curve for years on, on, on sort of being data driven. But, but, you know, this year, um, you know, they, they've been doing testing, like Jeff said, since 2010, it was our first gig and, and they've committed to sort of, you know, testing all along the way. But this last year, they, they sorted the, the actual entrance by dominant terpene. You know, as someone who smoked cannabis his whole life and, and also tested cannabis for, you know, 11, 12 years now, um, I still hadn't had the experience where I, I was able to sample multiple different varieties of cannabis, but by their dominant terpene. And, and it really did. I mean, I, I don't know if it should be mandated, but if retail outlets and dispensaries wanted to be ahead of the curve, they would either, you know, only accept you know, terpene tested strains, or they would test the strains by terpene and, and, and sort of group them because it, it really, it, it made it for a whole different experience where I could say, all right, I'm going to sit down and I'm only going to sample amongst the beta caryophylline dominant varieties. And, and still there was so much variety just within that one category, but it, it was just a completely different way to consume cannabis. And it really was for the first time, I felt like I was really kind of picking out the nuances from one variety to the next because I was only sampling them within a certain category or like varieties, but that, you know, had, had slight nuances in, in, in the bouquet. And it, it was a lot of fun. And, and, and I just kind of, after, after that experience, every time I kind of go into a dispensary or go on a dispensary's website and try and pick from all the strains, and I know cannabis and I still don't know half the strains that are out there. And, and so, um, you know, I, I just find myself completely wishing that some enterprising retail outlet owner would, would catch on to this. And, and I think, you know, it wouldn't take long for, for the consumer to really get the hint. It's just, it's just not available really anywhere that I'm aware of. So you saying that that actually sounds the most like wine tasting of anything. So, you know, you have your Merlot's or the Pinotage or the Cab or whatever, and you can put three or four of those side by side and have this experience. So that totally makes sense to me. I would love to be able to go into a dispensary and be like, okay, here's your myrcene dominant area. Here's the limonene, the beta caryophylline. That's fun. And you can pick up on more nuance when you can have an experience where it's back to back to back, where you, you can start noticing those things because I find that I can't pick up on those nuances as much if you're just walking through and smelling a bunch of random flour. Um, you know, it's just like fuel or citrus, but to pick up on those layers of aromas is harder to do, I think. Yeah, absolutely. A hundred percent. You can, you know, it's like, you don't really know what, what a cab can taste like until you line up four or five of them, like you said. And then also too, it, it, it's much easier to, okay, I, I have a much clearer picture of the difference between a cab and a Pinot when I drink them one after the other two. So you can also do it that way. But yeah, it completely changed my understanding and my palate for cannabis myself. So um, I see over here in the comments, somebody asked, does SC Labs do ash tests? No, we don't do that testing. It, it, it's not something we get requested a lot. I could see how it would potentially apply to cannabis, but I think how cannabis burns is not just indicative of the composition of that cannabis. It's how, you know, how a, a joint's rolled or a bowl's smoked. And so, so how the cannabis is actually combusted plays a lot into sort of the composition of the ash. Um, but no, it's not, it's not a test we've ever had requested. And then, okay, the testing of aroma and density. So with the California State Fair, this is scientific-based. So aroma, we're just looking scientifically at the, the terpenoids, right? 
Yeah, so it's going to be a combination of which cannabinoids and which terpenes are there in, in the sample. And that's how we will sort them into the different categories. And then beyond that, it'll be the overall concentration of the terpenes, both the dominant terpenes as well as the total overall terpene content, which speaks to the, the magnitude of the flavor, aroma, and sort of the special effects that you know, terpenes may or may not you know, apply when you're consuming it. And that sort of tracks with what we see people judging um, with human judging and organoleptic judging. You know, for instance, judging uh, an event like the Emerald Cup, when you go back and you crunch the numbers and, and, you, and you look at the data, when the whole cup is judged blindly, and this, this goes back, you know, this holds through kind of over the years, even when the test results were completely kept away from the judges till after the process. The top 15 samples it sort of versus the entire field, which is some years up, upwards of 700 different entries. When you take the top 15 versus the rest, you don't see any difference in the average THC percentage between the winners and, and all the also-rans. But what you do see a huge difference in is the average concentration of the terpenes in the winners versus the terpenes in all the other entrants. So when you're judging an event like the Emerald Cup, the, the sort of the, the two or three um, entries that people are all like, oh, wow, that's fire, that's fire. Um, you go back and look at the test results and they all have the highest concentrations of terpenes. Now, then, you know, which one is more fire than the others becomes a subjective thing based on kind of your own flavor preferences. But, you know, that's, that's what people are, are instinctively drawn to is, is sort of, you know, a high concentration of terpenes. Uh, the, like you said earlier, you know, THC concentration, when you're actually consuming the product and, and you're blind tasting it, has nothing to do with whether you judge it to be quality or not. Yeah. Based on the data. Trying to have these conversations without losing everybody is so hard. And so I, I really look forward to us developing like a vocabulary that everybody adopts so that we can just have straightforward conversations. Yeah, yeah. And that's like a thing for us. Like we've got sort of, you know, through the data, we can see really easily how, to, how everything sorts out. And there's a couple of different ways, but I mean, it kind of just falls into sort of a pattern that just, you know, seems kind of obvious, at least you know, to me, when, when you look at it, but you're right, the common nomenclature, we still don't have, you know, there's not accepted terminology for the classes other than mercine dominant and beta caryophylline dominant. And, you know, that's a great way to get people to glaze over. I think, yeah. I think we need a, a clever vocabulary. You're right. hundred percent for, for kind of this thing. I think there is starting to be kind of consensus. Terpenes should be the classification and dominant terpenes make sense. And, you know, here are the ones that actually show up in cannabis, but, but yeah, we don't, have a common language yet. And visuals are so important. And I think the way y'all have laid out the graphics where you can see like the different colors and it more pronounced in certain areas, I think when you can see all of those kind of a beautiful mind style, it does make more sense. Um, so I think that'll be good. I'll be sure and include that in the show notes so that people can see the format of the results. But Jeff, do you have something to add? I think what's important to understand is this is a kind of a developing science, right? If you ask about flavonoids and thiols, or at some point, they'll all be part of the understanding of the, the, the composition of the cannabis you're taking. And who knows, maybe the form of cannabis based on whatever regulatory direction we're taking changes. So I think what we have now is a great introduction to organizing the, the Kimavar universe, you know? What an amazing thing that y'all get to be the ones that judge it. All these... People are submitting their samples to you. You may have a huge boost in your business. You may if you keep all these people as clients. <laughs> Look, there's definitely the, the financial motivator, but I mean, honestly, though, I'm a California kid. I grew up here. Like, 
for me and, and, and I grew up, you know, we're, it's actually laboratories, you know, science of cannabis, but you know, I'm from, I grew up in Santa Cruz, you know, Santa Cruz has always been incredibly tolerant and liberal around cannabis support for cannabis. I mean, not just, you know, enforcement or lack of enforcement or non-prioritization of cannabis, but the support for cannabis. So a really unique opportunity to be exposed to, to cannabis and the cannabis industry since I was a teenager, but in a way where I'm not being hunted, basically, right? And that's exciting for me. That means, to me, the framing of the state fair, we've gone to the county fair, man, cows and, the, you know, it's amazing when you think about who is attending. We've been to the Emerald Cups. We've been to the Chalice Cups back in the day and all the other. I've done the High Times Cups, and that crowd is there. You're preaching to the choir. You walk into the state fair, and you're talking to people who have no concept. Um, and so that, to me, is the biggest draw there. That's what's most exciting about this. Who knows what the business implications are going to be? But the implications about changing people's minds you know, that's powerful. So the state fair is, you know, their intention is to run this contest, but then to do something very similar in terms of education and presentation for all the county fairs as well around the state. I hope the way they lay it out and deliver it, you know, that is just as important as the testing and the actually having it. You know, I hope you don't have to be 21 years old to be able to go in and just see it. This is part of the California lifestyle. Like it should be normalized. So hopefully this is just as easy to access at the state fair as it will be to get to the petting zoo or to get your fried butter and fried Snickers or whatever the hell. <laughs> no, absolutely. Absolutely. I agree with that. I'd love to see that. I, you know, I, I'll, this will be the first time I've gone to the state fair in 20 years. Yeah. I've never been to the California State Fair, but now I'm motivated. Um, okay, so the submission window opened November 1st, and it closes on March 30th. So when is the State Fair? The award celebration is July 15th to the 31st. Okay. Uh, next year, right? Okay. So there's a, there's a decent amount of time. The winner's promotion begins in June. So the results and winners will know sometime in May. Um, and so it's a pretty long lead in. Yeah. yeah. And the window is pretty, you're right. It's pretty, pretty long window. Right. So people can get motivated to get involved. And so what, what is that process? What do they do? So basically what's called, you know, a compliance sampling, right? Anybody can contact the lab. Um, it's as easy as kind of clicking through the links that are directly on the front page of the website. And, you know, it's really instructive and intuitive on how to enter your sample, but you're really entering through the lab for the state. Um, the lab is responsible for the process of collecting and testing the sample. So right from the get-go. And then that information is transmitted to the judges running the state fair. Through the website, you can set up a, a sampling event and then make sure that your entry is submitted. Um, for clients that we have that are, um, entering compliance samples anyway. I mean, they're able to select, right? It's, it's, it's database. Yeah. Anything that they've had tested during that window, they can go back and make the choice later. So it isn't, it might be one of those things where you want to make sure you want to see the test results before you enter it. Yeah. Right? I mean, that works too. So right on. You know, that's a, that's, that's an option. All right. I dig it. Well, is there anything that I didn't ask you that you think's important to highlight around this state fair and scientific judging and all that good stuff? 
I don't think so. I mean, I think it's pretty straightforward. I think it's part of the conversation now. You're talking about cannabis. Hopefully you're, you're kind of abandoning some old terms and you're really beginning to embrace two, three, five, ten years from now, my kids, I don't even know if I'm supposed to say when my kids smoke cannabis, but kids are kids and do what they do. <laughs> when people the age of my children end up smoking cannabis, you know, based on sort of the things that we're engaged in, the way that they'll be relating to cannabis and their understanding of the product will be absolutely night and day different than us. And that's that's amazing when you think about how long we as human beings have had a relationship with cannabis, right? And just sort of how how quickly that's evolved, our knowledge is evolving. That's that's that's, that's pretty exciting. I agree. And, you know, it's such an interesting time being, you know, a, one of the kids from the war on drugs. And, you know, you had to develop your relationship with cannabis secretly and then come out of the closet. And I look forward to people not having to do that shit. So cheers to that. <laughs> Absolutely. Absolutely. We're, we're living during a, a really exciting time. And, and yeah, it seems like the, the drug war is slowly grinding to a halt. Next is the psychedelics. We can have that in the next time. Yes. Right. Yeah. Are y'all going to get into <laughs> into that testing world? I think that's a ways off for us, but we definitely have a lot of people showing interest in it. There's a lot of excitement in, in uh, certainly the mushrooms and in some of the, the natural psychedelics that are having a moment. So we'll see. Yeah. Plant medicine is more than a moment. It's for life. Yeah. There's a lot of curiosity here within the within the organization to to participate. We just don't know. You know, we don't know the way forward, but the motivation is there for sure. Right on. Well, thank y'all so much for hanging out, Josh and Jeff. And thank you, everyone out there for tuning in. Thank you. That was a lot of fun. Absolutely. Great to meet you. Thanks for having us. Yes, certainly. Thanks. Bye, guys. I hope you're inspired to stop and smell the dominant terpenoids and identify your body's favorites. If you're curious to learn more about Terpenes, SC Labs, and the California State Fair Cannabis Awards, head on over to the podcast 215 show notes at casuallybaked.com. And if this conversation built your can of confidence and improved your understanding of terpenes, I hope you'll share it with your smoke circle. As always, email your requests or can of curious questions through the website or DM me on social. I'm at Casually Baked on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, YouTube, and the WeedTube. And I invite you to join us in our highly responsible Canna Consumers Facebook group. This week we are talking about gift-giving ideas for the cannabis lovers in our life. And if you find value in the quality cannabis content I'm churning out every week, please become a podcast patron for $5 per month. It's cheaper than that shitty-ass Starbucks coffee (laughs) that I love to hate on. Go to patreon.com backslash casually baked. However you choose to support this highly responsible cannabis movement, thanks for doing your part to Puff Puff Pass It On. Casually Baked, the podcast was created, recorded, and produced by yours truly, Editing and sound design are in the capable hands of Arnav Gupta. The podcast theme music is by my highly talented friend, Seth Walker. 
If you aren't familiar with Seth's music, you can find High Time on his album Gotta Get Back wherever you're buying your music these days. I know he didn't create High Time for me, but it sure as shit sounds like he did, right? I hope you'll tune in next time. Thanks for hanging out. Thanks for listening to today's show. To check out more great cannabis podcasts, go to podconnects.com. Here's a preview of one of our other shows. Hi, I'm Gary, and I invite you to discover the Cannabis Podcast, a bi-weekly podcast focused on a Canadian's cannabis culture. I would be the Canadian, and my cannabis passion and culture has been building for five decades. I share that passion for this wonderful plant in every episode, through conversations with cannabis advocates and enthusiasts, stories about the ever-changing legal environment, and some hands-on testing of product in a segment I call Cultivar Corner. The Cannabis Podcast, a Canadian's cannabis culture, one token at a time.